Water is a precious gift. It's something that we probably take for granted more often than not. Uh, But in this world that we live in, where two-thirds is made up of water, only one in nine people have access to clean water. And without clean water, you can't grow food, you can't build housing, you can't stay healthy, uh, you you can't stay in school uh, because you're off trying to find clean water, you can't keep working. Uh, In the sub-Saharan part of Africa, uh, they estimate about 40 billion hours per year is spent collecting water. Uh, They equate that with France's labour force. Without water, life is not possible. And we so often take it for granted. As we come to Jesus, as we come to what he tells of us, this living water, we're reminded again that Jesus is doing something new. And we go back to the beginning and we have the word, the word that was in the beginning, the word that was God, and it was through him that everything was made. This is the one who has given us water. But not only that, he is the one who turns water into wine. He points us to the promises of God, this promise of new life. He's the one who will destroy the temple and all that it represents and rebuild this temple, a new temple where people can meet with God. He is the one who talks about new birth, to be born again or being born from above, to be born of water and the Spirit. Again, this promise of new life. And last time we saw that He brings new purpose, new meaning, new joy to life. And just as we need physical water for life, physical life, and just as without water there is great poverty, life without this living water, without this water that Jesus talks about here, is dry and poor. And so this living water that we're going to look at is crucial for us. It's critical for us if we seek to live in this new life that Jesus promises, that Jesus gives. Let's just run through the passage and just clear up any misunderstandings or questions that people might have. Uh, we, We start with Jesus hearing that the Pharisees uh, discovered he's gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Uh, we're also told that it's his disciples baptizing. Why? So you don't have people coming later and saying, hey, I was baptized by Jesus, I must be special. But moving on, Jesus doesn't want to stir up trouble yet. Remember back at the wedding, he says, my hour has not yet come. And so he moves away to get away from trouble because it's not time yet. And in doing that, he has to go through Samaria. And there's this, this line in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria. Now a lot of people say that people tend to go around Samaria. That's not necessarily true. A lot of historians talk about the journey through Samaria. But they, they avoided dealing with Samaritans. We're told here that Jews don't associate with Samaritans. 
But Jesus had to. Something drove him to go through Samaria. We're going to see that unfold as the story goes on. As Jesus goes through, he comes to this town, Sychar, and it's the sixth hour. It's the middle of the day. Right? The Jewish day starts at sunrise, starts at six o'clock, basically. Make it easy for everyone. Starts at six o'clock, sixth hour, it's midday. It's the heat of the day. Just wait till it hits midday. It's going to be the hottest time of the day. Right? But this woman's here and she's alone. That's weird. That's strange. Particularly this time. Right? Uh, you go out to lunch these days at work and you see a guy sitting alone. Most people don't think much of it anymore. This woman coming out in the middle of the day on her own to get water in the heat of the day, that's weird. We're going to find out why in a moment. And why? Well, she's got some history. Jesus says that she's had five husbands and she's in a new relationship. She's an outcast. She's, she doesn't belong. And so she comes out alone instead of coming out with everyone else and having to deal with them. But Jesus' actions too are strange. He talks with this woman. And not just a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. There's a bit of history there. If you know what happens, uh, the Israelites are one people. David messes up, Solomon messes up, and God divides the kingdom. There's the northern kingdom, Israel, the southern kingdom, Judah. History goes on. They're both, uh, both their lands are destroyed, sent into exile. But the thing with the northern kingdom of Israel, when they were sent to Israel, people were sent back, foreigners were sent back to live in the land, and they intermarried. So you had the Jews there and these foreigners, they intermarried, and that's who the Samaritans are, if you didn't know that. Uh, they're the Samaritans. And so when the Jews of Judah, the southern kingdom, came back, they looked at them as impure. They're, they're not pure Jews. So this history unfolded, and probably... A generation before Jesus, um, the Samaritans had built a temple, a shrine on Mount Gerizim. It's the mountain that's talked about here. They've built a shrine there and the Jews, um, about a generation before Jesus, actually came in and destroyed it. So you can imagine the, the relationship's not great. right? So Jesus is talking to this woman. He's talking to the Samaritan. It's a bit strange. Even the disciples recognize there's something strange. They don't say anything about it though. Just go back to that conversation though. Right? Jesus asks her for water. She says, uh, she, she finds it weird. Then Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. And in verse 12, she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob? And it's actually a, it's a bit of a cheap shot at Jesus. She thinks he's a con artist. The question is meant to give the answer no. Uh, we don't get that in English as much. But she doesn't, she doesn't understand who Jesus is. She doesn't understand what he's doing. And if you remember back to Nicodemus, Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about spiritual things, things of heaven, and he didn't understand. And we have the same thing here, that this Samaritan woman doesn't understand right now what Jesus is talking about. Right, so there's, there's conflict, there's history. We get to verse 20 after Jesus reveals this woman's history. The woman says, I can see that you are a prophet and taking advantage of that, she turns the discussion around. 
Now she asks the questions, you Jews, you must worship, we must worship in Jerusalem. Our fathers say we worship on this mountain. And Jesus turns that around. We're going to unpack that a little bit more later, so we won't talk about that now. But Jesus turns that on its head. Right. What follows this is this woman is amazed. She, she get a, gets a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about and she runs off to tell everyone else. I want to just highlight what she does. Right? Verse 29, she goes back to town. These are the people who know her and who cast her out. That's why she's out in the middle of the day, right? Verse 29, come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? I'm going to just hone in on that in a moment. But she goes and she tells everyone what's just happened. And this whole town comes out to meet Jesus. What do we do with all of this? Any questions about this passage that you're like, mm, I don't get this? Anything there that you're not sure about? Just in terms of the details there? No? What do we, what do we make of all of this? For a lot of people here, there's a few people who, who don't fit into this box and that's okay. But for a lot of people here, you, you've grown up in church. You, you've been at church from a, an early age uh, and you kind of know your way around. Then there are those of you who have not grown up in church, you haven't had much to do with, with Christians or Jesus and that's fine. What does Jesus say to us in that moment, to both of us, to both camps? Verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I wonder how many of us understand what Jesus is saying to us there. Because what do we have? We have this Samaritan woman who has come out in the middle of the day, ostracized, forgotten, by the people of her town. And just imagine hearing those words. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Who is this woman? This is a woman who is searching for belonging. This is a woman who is searching for love. She is a woman who is searching for identity, for her place in the world. <clears throat> who are you? What are you searching for? What are you pursuing? What are you trying to find in life? And whatever that search is, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And if you've grown up in the church, you've, you've heard these words, you've, talk, you've heard people you talk about the gift of God, you've heard people talk about the living water, the eternal life that Jesus offers you. But do you know it? 
Do you know what that is? Maybe this is the first time you've heard about it or you've heard whispers and you're trying to understand what this is. Do you want to know what this gift is? Do you want an alternative to the search that has proved empty or temporary in this life? For those of us who have grown up in the church, how do I I illustrate this? Applies to some of us, maybe not all of us. But, you know, in some families, your parents do the washing. You, You come home from school, you dump the laundry, and your parents do it all for you, right? There are those who parents who kick you and tell you to go do it yourself. But... Growing up in a family like that, you, your parents do the washing for you. you. One day you leave home and you realise you actually don't know how to do the washing. You go look at the washing machine and it's like, what do I do here? How much laundry powder do I put in? Right, you've grown up and you've enjoyed the benefits and the blessings of having clean clothes week to week. And it's like that growing up in the church that you get the benefits of this gift You get the benefits of this living water. You get the benefits of what it is to be part of God's family. But as you grow and mature, you find yourself at a point and say, I've enjoyed this. I've been blessed by this, but what is it? And I wonder if some of you here might be at that place where you've grown up with all of this. You've been blessed by it and you're like, I see the clean clothes. I get to put them on and enjoy them, but how do I get it? For others, you've had to wash your own clothes through life. You've had to work it all out for yourself and you come to this point now where this gift is now offered to you. This living water that Jesus offers is offered to you and you wonder, what is it? Well, what is it? We've been talking about it all from the beginning. Jesus is the Word. He is with God and He is God. And through Him all things are made. All things through Him are made. And we, we, we've worked through this story. We, we see Jesus beginning this public life and He changes water to wine. He says, God has made promises through time and now they are becoming true. A promise of a new life. Right? He goes to the temple and he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And again he says, there is a new way of life coming and it's new. He meets with Nicodemus and Nicodemus fails to under he wrestles with what it is that Jesus is talking about. What's Jesus talking about? He says, If you are flesh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And again he talks about being born of water in the spirit. Again he's talking about this new life. And what's that new life entail? 
it entails eternal life. We know the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the rest of the verses unfold that we are saved from judgment. This new life frees us from judgment, from the condemnation of this world. And as we looked at John last week, this new life also comes with a new purpose, with a new sense of joy, a new source of joy. But Jesus unpacks it further for us. This living water, this gift that he gives us, takes away our thirst. Not a physical thirst, but a spiritual one. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. Let me read these to you. Isaiah 55, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? Your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. What is this thirst? What is this hunger? It is the thirst for life. It is the hunger for life. And without Jesus, this thirst, this hunger, demonstrates itself in numerous ways. This Samaritan woman, she pursues love in relationships. She has pursued multiple relationships. And she is still thirsty for love. Others pursue success of some kind, whether that's in work or study or achievement in some area of life. Some thirst for life and they pursue. What do they pursue? They pursue being known by people. They pursue belonging to a community. They pursue having purpose and meaning because they've done something well. But there's also a new pursuit that is coming these days is the pursuit of safety. I was talking with a teenager the other day and had no idea what he wanted to do, didn't want to do anything, didn't want to achieve anything. Because why? Because to set the bar low and have no expectations of life means that there's no disappointment. People now have such a fear of life that they're not willing to try for anything. Their thirst for life is so dry and their hunger so poor that the thought of life scares them. 
the world that we live in. And it's not the first time that I've heard that. People are so scared of trying to pursue something and achieve something because they fear failure more than anything else. But they don't want to live at all. People would rather lock themselves up in their room and have nothing to do with people and whittle life away. And yet Jesus promises us, He says, if you know the gift of God, this living water, you would ask for it and receive it. Come, you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. How do you do that? How do you buy when you have no money and you have nothing to spend? Why, as I say, spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? This is the living water. This is the gift of God that Jesus is offering. That we are not stressed or worried about spending money, our time, our energy on things that do not satisfy. That is the gift of God. And when we take it, we can eat what is good and delight in it. So as Isaiah says, give ear and come to me, God says. Hear me that your soul may live. And this is the precious part. I make an everlasting covenant with you. I make a promise to you. I enter into a relationship with you so that you can have these things. That no longer will you thirst, no longer will you need money to buy what you need. Instead, you will be satisfied because you have found life. And this is the gift of God. This is the living water. And when we receive that, what happens, verse 14, it becomes in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life not something that just remains with us but it is something that wells up and overflows into life to eternal life into the world do you know the gift of god do you know the one who offers this to you it's not just knowing the gift it's knowing the one who offers this gift to you because if you do jesus says you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so, do you know not only the gift, but the giver? And have you asked him for this gift, this, this living water? Because he gives it freely. He gives it generously. But what, what stops you? What stops you? Because when the woman is faced with her past, with her history, with her fears, with her dreams, she recognizes that in Jesus, he is a prophet. And so she asks the question in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. What is she asking? 
She's asking, what are the rules for life? This life that you're talking about, this living water, this promise of life, what are you talking about? Where do we get it? Because in her mind, there was only two ways. She'd grown up being told that it was on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans had a shrine there, as I said. They, they said it was on this mountain. And the Jews said, no, it's in Jerusalem. And in her mind, it was, well, which one is right? Where do I go to find the rules for life? And each one of us has a set of rules for life, whether you know it or not, whether you think about it or not. Each one of us has rules for what life looks like, how we succeed, how we fail, how we have honour, how we are shamed, how we gain power and how we fear or what we fear. We have rules for life, we all do. But what does Jesus say? No, it's not on this mountain, it's not in Jerusalem at the temple, I'm going to destroy that anyway. No, he says, there is a time coming where you will worship neither on the mountain or in Jerusalem. No, the time is coming where the true worshipper, the one who seeks the true life that God gives him, the one who seeks the gift of God, this living water, the one who seeks that, will do so in spirit and truth. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the rules are changing. The rules for life are changing. No longer do you go to a place. No longer do you conform to a set of standards that the world gives you. You don't do that anymore. No, you have a new set of rules. A new way. Right? The new wine, the water being turned into wine at the wedding points to this new way. The temple where Jesus was, he says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. He's saying, I'm getting rid of it. I'm giving you a new way. And he talks about a new birth. Why? Because flesh gives birth to flesh. And as we saw last week, the one who belongs to the earth speaks as one from the earth, but the one from heaven speaks as one from heaven and he is above all. Right, Jesus saying there is a new way, there is a new set of rules to life. And unless you know these rules and you get your head around these rules, then you'll continue in these old ways and you will continue to thirst. You don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah 31, 33. Right, all these things have been promised. They're not new in Jesus. They've been promised and Jesus fulfills them. Right? Before this, God has already said, this is the covenant, this is the promise that I will make with the house of Israel and all people who come to God. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Right? Jesus says to this woman and he says to us, there is a new way. There is a new set of rules for life and you find it in me. This gift of God, this living water, it is a new way of life. 
It is new. See, the thing about the Christian life or pursuing Jesus is not that he gives you a new start in life. That's not what it is. When Jesus comes and gives you life, he gives you a new life. He doesn't say, okay, this is your life now, let's give you a new fresh start. No, that's not what he does. No, he says, get rid of that. I am getting rid of it. However good you might think it is, I'm getting rid of it. Here is a new life. Brand new. Start all over again. Right, whatever the past is, this woman has a past and Jesus says, gone. It's done away with. Forget about it. Here is a new life. Start fresh. Right, this is not a spring clean. This is not a let's, let's just get some magic soap and scrub things and let's make it look new. No, this is new. And I wonder if we understand that, if we get that, particularly if you've grown up in the church. Right? Jesus does not come and say, okay, let's just clean things up and let's start fresh. No, he says, oh, no, I'm going to give you something new. Right? These aren't just clothes being thrown in the washing machine and being cleaned and here you go, here's some nice fresh clothes to wear again. No, he's going to buy you a whole new wardrobe of clothes and they are going to be brand new. Completely different style. It's all new. That's the life that Jesus promises. And if all you're doing is coming to Jesus and getting everything cleaned and you don't have this new life, you're missing out. Because the gift of God, this living water, is not just there to clean and cleanse things. No, it is there to completely flood them and take them out. It is new. It is a new life. The old is gone. The new has come. Do you know the gift of God? How does this woman respond when she begins to understand that? She runs back to town and says to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the one that has been promised to us who will give us all that is good? Is this the one who will fulfill all the promises of God and restore life to what it was? See, we read at the beginning that Jesus had to go into Samaria. so that this woman and this entire town might find new life. God doesn't do things by accident. And if you think there are coincidences in life, then your God is small. This God created life. Nothing happens by accident. Every person you meet, every step you take, every place he takes you to, no matter how much of a tangent or distraction it seems like to you, is not an accident. And Jesus had to go through Samaria. And every step you take and every place that God places you, as seemingly senseless as it might be, there is purpose. 
And when this woman gets an understanding, a glimpse of this new life, this living water, she runs and she tells people. Not just anybody, but people who despised her, people who rejected her, people who wanted nothing to do with her, people she felt ashamed to be around. She goes and tells them. But what does she do? Right? She says, come and see. If you recall back to chapter 1, what, did the, what does John do when his disciples are there and he sees Jesus? He says, look, behold, there is the Lamb of God. And when those disciples begin to follow Jesus, you have, uh, is it Philip? Philip goes to Nathaniel, come and see. Andrew goes to his brother Peter and says, come and see the Messiah. Come and see the Christ. Come and see Jesus. And if you, I've said this before, that evangelism is nothing less than coming alongside people and saying, come and see Jesus. Not having the answers, not needing to explain anything, just simply come and see. Come and see for yourself. Now there is testimony there. The woman says, he told me everything I ever did. And they pay attention to her because they know what she did. And there's a change. But she says, come and see. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see. But then what happens is they come and see. They say, Jesus, stay so we can hear more. And at the end of it, they say, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Right? Evangelism is bringing people along, saying, I've met Jesus, I've encountered Jesus, there's this new life that he's offering. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. And as people do that, as they open up God's word, as they read about Jesus, as they read of his promises, as they read of this gift, they go, hold on a second, that's what you said, but I'm seeing it, I'm beginning to see I don't believe simply because of what you've said. I see for myself. And that's, that's what we want. We don't want people to come and go, hey, listen to this great guy or listen to this person who's got all these great ideas. He's going to change your life. No, no. We want people to come and see Jesus. Come and see Jesus. Let's see who he is. Let's see what he says about himself. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he promises. And does he deliver? On those promises. That's what we want. We don't want people to just come to church. I don't want to fill the seats with people who just want to come to church. I want to fill the seats with people who want to see Jesus. Because without Jesus, you don't get this gift. You don't get this living water. Jesus. We want people to come and see. But here's the other lie that we need to dispel. What does Jesus say? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. People are hungry. People are thirsty. Heck, some of you here are hungry and thirsty for life. The harvest is ripe and it is ready. And all we are asked to do is go, hey, come and see Jesus. Come and see this man who promises this gift of life. 
this eternal life, this living water, so you don't have to thirst or hunger in life anymore. Come and see. But Jesus also gives us another example. Because as Jesus talks to this woman, he is looking for what she is thirsty for. As Jesus talks with this woman, he gets to the heart and he recognizes this woman is hungry for love. This this woman is hungry for belonging. And he speaks into that. And as we come alongside people, as we want people to come and see Jesus, we need to know what they're thirsting for, what they're hungry for. Because it will look slightly different for each and every person. But if you come alongside people and simply listen to them long enough, you will know what they're hungry for. You will know what they're thirsting for. Now, at that point, you don't suddenly go, I've got an answer for you, I've got your solution. No, our response is come and see. Come and see for yourself the one who will take away your hunger and your thirst for life. Come and see. Come and see this gift of God. And come and see who it is that offers you this gift. Because when you do, you will ask Him and He will give you living water. Do you know the gift of God? Do you know who offers you this gift? And have you asked Him? For many of us, I suspect, some of us, that we do know. We do know this gift. We know the one who gives it to us. But the trouble is that we get caught up in the mountain and Jerusalem, in the rules of life, and we forget that here is this precious gift that takes away our hunger and our thirst. And so again, we're reminded, come and see the one who gives you the gift generously and freely. Come and he will give. To others of you, you're not convinced that this gift is worth much. But your hunger and your thirst continue to grow. Come and see. Come and see this new life that is on offer. You've seen everyone around you. You've been blessed by it. You've enjoyed the privileges of it. But will you take it for yourself? This gift of God, this living water. Stop Just stop wearing washed, fresh clothes. Come and get new clothes. Come and have and receive the new life that is offered you. And if you're still hearing this for the first time and you're still wondering what this is all about, well, come and see. 
open up this Bible and see who this God is. See who Jesus says he is. Because his promise of life, his promise of living water quenches our thirst. And as we all do that, we invite others because that spring of water wells up to eternal life. It doesn't remain in us, it pours out to those around us. And to continue on with what Isaiah says, read it again. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy milk and wine without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me, God says, and eat what is good and your soul delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you and my faithful love promised to David. This is this. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and nations that do not know you will haste. They will come quickly to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. What happens when this living water becomes a spring of eternal life in you, when it wells up in you, people see. People see. And they will come. And we invite them, come and see this Jesus. Because what do we want them to know? We want them to know that this man really is the Saviour of the world. Saviour of the world. If we go back to chapter 1, when John saw Jesus, he said, look, behold, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gift of God, given by a generous, merciful, gracious, loving God. And He gives it freely. This gift is not just for us, but for anyone who comes to Jesus. And he is him. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And everyone who drinks this water, this physical water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you know the gift of God and this living water that he offers? Let's pray.
God of creation. The ones who flung the stars into space. Who separated the waters, the sky and the ocean and made the land appear. Who filled the earth with life and breath. give to all who ask this gift, this living water, so that we might not thirst, that we might not hunger any longer. Lord Jesus, you promise this new life in you. And I ask that you will Make known to us to know this new life, to take hold of it and never let it go, that we might not go back to the old life. For those of us who see it before us, Father, will you open their eyes to see and take hold of that new life in Jesus. For those who do not understand, who seek to understand, will you make it known to them by your Holy Spirit? For the ones of earth speak only of things of earth, but the one from heaven speaks of heavenly things. And so Holy Spirit, come and reveal to us the life that is found in Jesus, the gift of God, that we might come and see, not simply come and see, but that we might taste and know that the Lord is good. Help us to be people who invite people to come and see Jesus for themselves. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. To your praise and glory. Amen.